Episode what? 151 or two? Uh, 152. Nice. 152. Yeah. How's your, how's your work been? Your work been? How's my, your week? my work <laughs> has been okay. <laughs> And my week's been all right as well. The thing is, I had a couple of beers before we started doing this. Mm. I shouldn't have done it. Wow. You want to have a couple, a little livener. Yeah, to, to, to get yourself in the mood for you it. You don't want to be sort of, you know, not knowing what's happening. To get you <laughs> free-flowing, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm hating at this time of year? What? Dark mornings. Yeah. I'm hating cold mornings as well. The cold doesn't really bother me. No, it doesn't bother me. It bothers my van, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it really starting to struggle? That's going to quit. Goes, it just goes... Bing, bing. Like that, makes these weird noises. It clicks, it goes, and it goes. Basically, it's basically going. No, I'm not doing this. Shit. Is it because of the? T- I don't know. Cold. It's just fucked. It's just fucked. What I mean, do? Well, I was still hoping that someone would have replied to Paul my message. Paul Sparrow said he'd give you a van. Oh, did he? He said he'd buy you a van if you went into. I think he said if you went into like business with Savile or something like that. I can't. I can't remember what it was. I just remembered really. Well, well, yeah, go on then. Send a van <laughs> this way to Rob. Picture of Jimmy Savile on it. I'm I can't, I can't see Ford like. sponsoring us, can you? No, no. <laughs> oh well, no. Yeah, I do need. I need to sort it out. It's too mad, didn't I? The thing with the, the dark mornings. Are you a morning person? Um, do they bother you? No, they don't bother me. I mean, I'm always up usually about probably just before six usually. I'm all, I'm always up before my alarm. Or I mean, I can't remember the last time my alarm went off. Yeah, I know what you mean. So like just briefly before or like an hour? About ten minutes. So it's like yeah. a, like I've got a weird like pre alarm. So my alarm's like my brain. But my brain's like my alarm. You've got a backup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the other way around. I don't know what it is. I think it's because it's so dark. In the summer I'm fine. I'm I can get yeah. about anything, but in the winter it's just like go away. Mm. Uh, I don't mind it. I don't I really don't mind it. I mean I think I'm more the opposite. So if it's sunny in the morning, I'm a bit uh, Really? Mm. No. Only because I know, I've, you know, it's it's bright and it's in my face and it's straight away, it's like in your face. I don't like that. I think I quite like easing into it. Within 10 minutes, I'm f- five to 10 minutes, I'm usually fine. But there is a, a period where I initially open my eyes and I think, fuck in everything. F- five minutes, I'm out of the house. Before, when I <laughs> yeah. wake up, I'm clothes on and out. Literally like that. Just, just don't think, just do it. That's how I roll. So we've got to mention in the news, did you hear it? I mean, I'm pretty ignorant to the ins and outs of this but then 39 bodies in that the back of that yeah, truck yeah yeah there's some I don't know what's going on yeah, yeah yeah I've heard about it um, I don't know what's going on with it it's like um, they, they're doing the person for murder did he intentionally kill him there's minus 25 in there by the way what mm. oh. refrigerant thing I didn't know I thought they were, it was like some sort of you know just redundant not no, being used it's minus 25 what but, um, that so makes it really strange then and they were Chinese, weren't they? Were they dead well? when he put the... When, hang on. They must have been dead within about when... 10 minutes at maximum. Or dead before they were put in. What they should have done is just have a massive orgy all the way. They might have survived <laughs> oh then. Oh, my God. I'm completely ignorant to what happened, but... No, um, they, I was reading up on it, actually. And uh, they pulled up on an estate at like 10 to 1 in the morning. No, so half 12, and I think by 10 to 2, sorry, they, they were like, uh, we need to do something like this. Someone already called them the police. Do you think they put them in the back and didn't realise it, but the refrigeration system kicked in? It seems odd that they're doing them for murder, doing the fella for murder, right? As in, whoa, um, and they're checking his house. So really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's something something else going on, I think. But 
It's not. Uh, it's not looking nice, is it? No. It's not. You wouldn't want to if if someone said to you, "Get in this van," and it's minus like even if it's minus ten, you'd be like, "No, you're okay. I'd rather just you keep that money that I've given you for whatever the whatever the score is of it, was getting it, over." Was it a case of them wanting? Were they? Like, is it human trafficking? I Were think they forced so. or was this voluntary? I don't, I don't no, know. Fucking know do we? No, it's mostly blokes apparently. I think there was yeah. eight eight women. I think. Like a the child blokes. as well. But, Ch- um, Chinese. Yeah, so I don't know, maybe workers, maybe forced workers or something, I don't know. Fucking mad, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. lucky to live in this country. Well, yeah, they weren't. But it's, I mean, they come from Belgium, they reckon, don't they? So, well, the, you know what I mean? The they, crossing. Yeah, that's where the, the van came from or something. But yeah, I mean, the fella like, left it on. Can you turn it off and on? I'm assuming you can, or does it automatically turn on when you turn the car on? I'm sure you can turn it off. You just turn it off, wouldn't you? And then Good thing, at the port, they didn't know what they were doing, and they the put port. him in the back, shut the door, and it just went and turned on, and then frozen to death. But wouldn't they be going mad for a bit? You, you wouldn't hear them, would you? You're in a cab. Deta- I mean, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, who, who knows what's happened? Crazy. Well, I'm sure it'll come out in the next Absolutely. few days, popular. Maybe an episode on that. Yeah. There was there was one in 2000 when there was sort of some like 40 or 50 people. 58 people, I think. Yeah. So. 58 people. You don't want to be opening up that van, do you? You'd be going, oh shit, Christ. I only wanted a few grand to, to get some people across. I didn't yeah. want I didn't want to go down for like fifty eight life sentences. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's gonna be bad, man. It's gonna be bad. So yeah. some shout outs. We've got Pat Williams, Claire Jones and Shane Dawson. Those three like that? Just like that. Well yeah. that that sounds like Well there's more, but I didn't write them down because it sounds like a country band. A country three of them three of them together sounds like a country band that does. Yeah. Like Mumford and Sons. Is that a country band? <sighs> I th- I don't know what they are. Neither yeah, they're, I think they're they're kind of, and then trying to be rock as well, aren't they? But they're not. I might have listened to a couple of their songs, the banjo thing, you know, by by proxy in the car, or it's not something that I've listened to. So I can't say whether they're shit because I'd, that'd be judgmental. Yeah, mm, I don't know. They sound. I don't like them. No, they're a bit bit um bit pansy sort of band <laughs> to me. That's how Pan- I put it. The pansies. The pansies. Oh, I need to say hello to Lily, because if we don't, she'll give me a bollocking. Uh, I'll just give him a bollocking anyway, Lily, if I were yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just do it. Just keep, just pester him. Just keep, keep pestering him. Annoy him. We've got <laughs> some uh, social media shit, Robots for Eyes podcast across the board. Yeah. Pretty sure you can all figure out. Google Robots for Eyes. It will come up. Yeah. Everything's done and dusted, and I think we better crack on with a, a pod. Who the angel of death is? Sounds like um, sort of an eighties like rock band. Good name for a band. Or Doctor Death. Um, so Shipman is it? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yes, it'd be a good one. Harold Shipman. He was. Um, this is a fucking crazy case. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, anyone who's a doctor who's just basically killing people, getting homicidal maniac. Yeah. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. It's a complete like he was a, a um, an extremely 
well-respected local GP, so that's like, you know, a doctor, family doctor in Hyde, which is up north, a very likeable man of the community, caring for young and old people, and he was obviously very well-educated, and he also happened to be a serial killer, but we're not talking about, you know, these pussy-ass 20 kills, we're talking... We're talking like... Uh, he, he went for the ton, didn't he? He got over 100, didn't he? Double. Mm. Possibly more more than the... Tr- he might have trebled it. We just we never know. Because between... I think it was 1975 and 1998, he murdered at least 236 people in 24 years. That's how long his, his career lasted. Right. Mostly by massive drug overdose. And he's, pr- he's possibly the most prolific serial killer on record... See, because a lot of these, a lot of serial killers that like get massive tallies, mm. the police suspect it's high, and then the serial killer w- will admit to a to a certain amount, but it can't be proven. But with Shipman, this is fucking yeah, proven. So, yeah, he, he, yeah, it's all it's kind of on record, isn't it? You know what I mean? All on record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He killed on average twenty four people a year for nearly quarter of a century. Obviously, there were years where he didn't kill at all, and then other years where he just went on oh, fuck ma- it. Yeah, just. Went on mad sprees, and his killings. Some some stats here for you. They caused a fifth of all murders by poison in England between 1975 and 1998. Nice, good work. Well, not good work, but you know what I mean. He he, like (laughs) altered stats, mate. Like properly, like the murder rate for women in Hyde, where he worked, was 5,600 times higher than the national average. Really? And it was 610 times higher for men, just because of him. Just because he was off his fucking head. Yeah. And a psychopath, isn't he? Yeah, proper full-on. But, like, you know, he's normal... Because he's a doctor, and he's doing it... Well, is he doing it in a humane way? I know he's not, not the really. right thing to he's do. killing people? Yeah, I know it's not the right thing to do, but he's not... He's not, he's like, not bludgeoning him with yeah, a hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not as obvious, is it? He's, and he's and he's in the doctors in the trade, so to speak. So he gets his yeah. gets his perks, so to speak. <laughs> yes, this is one of his perks. Yeah. In two thousand and three, so like after the trial, when police realised all these previous natural deaths and fatalities were actually murders, the actual murder rate in the UK spiked in the decades that he was active. Spiked. So yeah, it just went up because had to go back and go. Okay, then this Marjorie and fucking oh, that, Vera. Yeah, that's and his. Yeah, it's linked with him. This isn't an actual death. This is a murder, which means the amount of murders in this year were X compared to what it was. Yeah. So yeah, because obviously, shut up. Because obviously, yeah, it wasn't. It was at the time not classed as a murder. It's just classed as oh, they've just passed away because they're ill. Because she said so. Yeah, yeah, basically. And now it's just shot, shot up because of it. Yeah, and his motives are. They're kind of unclear, really. A lot of people tend to say that it was, it was euthanasia, shits and giggles, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Control freak. Yeah, like he was trying to ki- trying to get rid of old people to get them out of the system, just bumping them off because they were near the end. But nah, man. The people that say that haven't read fully into. Well, isn't into what doc- happened? Isn't a, like one of the main things, objectives of doctors, to keep people alive? You'd think. And to, well, to a point. Yeah. Well, no, t- actually, legally constantly, yeah, make them stay yeah. alive. But yeah. there is a point where I think euthanasia... Obviously, yeah. That's interesting because obviously there's been a few cases of people who want to die as well recently. There so was an athlete, gold medalist in the para- Paralympics, won, um, I can't remember what it was, 2012. Constant pain. Mm. Like they were interviewing and she's poor woman was passing out in the interviews and mm. she ended her own life. Did it's, she? Yeah, yeah, completely above board. Oh, but okay, right, she did it legit sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Should be allowed. I can kind of understand if you're in, in, in a state where you're in complete agony with yourself, um, you can't do things, you can't whatever. I think if someone wants to end their life because they're mentally ill, then no, because that can be that can be sorted. Do you know what I mean? Um, what do you mean? Would you mean like if someone like who's just like wants to kill himself because they, I don't know they've just had a bad year or something? Oh, okay. I mean? oh yeah, yeah, that's what you mean. Yeah. So, uh, but it's it's a case of working out what's what, isn't it? But yeah, I, th- I think physically ill people who aren't going to recover, chronic pain. Yeah, MS people, people yeah. like that who who are getting worse and they're not going to get better. Um, yes, you know what I mean? Things like that. People who are terminally ill. Mm. Obviously, we're doctors. We know exactly what yeah, we're yeah. talking about. So, mm-hmm. take what we say. Only if they gospel. want to, obviously. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah. So, they reckon there's well, there's likely to be well over 250 murders. But mm-hmm. because his crimes went pretty much undetected it, for so long, decades, it's impossible to tell. And he used his perceived power as a doctor to exploit... I mean, it's kind of like a loophole mm. in the UK law, which has been changed now, I believe. Because at the time, if a person died within seven days of seeing a doctor, there was no need to have an autopsy oh, unless yes. the family requested it. Sorry, I'm just trashing the table. That's right, Rob's getting his uh, his uh, art paraphernalia out now. Sorry, after throwing half it on the floor, but yeah, because all these victims had seen a doctor, yeah, within hours before their death, him, you know, yeah, yeah, because they get they go. There's no need for an autopsy because yeah, yeah doctor's got his notes and it, on the notes it says he's going to die, like in the next hour. Yeah. <laughs> or or story, yeah. the doctor says the yeah, doctor yeah. can rule it and say, No, nah, this is what it was and because the doctor's a trusted individual, they go with what they say. And as well, um the sort of the second level, like the safety catch, a coroner, they didn't need to investigate deaths of people who'd seen a doctor within two weeks of okay. dying. So all of these people He's just getting away. Like you say, it's it's like the perfect loophole for a serial killer. If you're that way inclined and you were a doctor, you could you could do this. It makes for you decades. F- it makes you think, right? Has it been happening more? And there's someone who's worse than shipping out there. Who's sitting there when that propped up went. Oh shit! I don't ooh, think shit. so. Oh shit! They've sort of tightened up. There's like this thing called um, after the inquiry called the shipment effect, where they tightened up on um, the amount of drugs that doctors can have, and like you know where the coroners investigate and autopsies and shit the like that. The shipment effect. Yeah. Well, who would make think about it? Yeah, yeah. The murder rates in the UK spiked. The shipment effect to me, though, that if someone said, oh, we're going to do use the shipment effect, it sounds like it's more like everyone's going to die to me rather than trying to protect everyone. Everybody you know what I mean? I'll be like, die. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, because like more drugs. The, the families could, just because you'd seen a doctor doesn't mean you, you shouldn't have an autopsy. If the family wanted one, yeah, they could just request it and you could have it. But he'd advise the families, he'd be like, you don't want to do that. You don't need to do that, yeah. And he also encouraged cremation. He'd say to him, "Look, they've died. Don't do an autopsy and burn the body." That's classic serial killer stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because Dennis Nelson, that is, isn't he, it? He, he looks, he looks kind of like him, just Fucking older. Bastards, eyes wide shut. Yeah. So people did get suspicious, and it, I think in the end it was a combination of repetitive patterns and greed that got him busted. Right? I, did he get? Did he? Uh, was he just being too blatant at some point? He was being blatant if you if you lived in the 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 death industry. Let's right, just, okay. We'll get more into it in the second half, but yeah, people people who were retrieving bodies started to see patterns. Okay, and like, what the fuck's going on here? Why, why is everyone dying with him? He actually believed that nobody could piece together the or even uncover the evidence of his crimes, and he, he was literally hiding in plain sight, yeah. just doing it, and no one fucking knew. It's like it's like when you see, um, it's like. I always think, not that I'd do it, but I mean, Go you on, know, when it. you're robbing a, a store. Oh, yeah, I'd do it. Not, yeah. not that I would, but what I'm saying is, 
you know when people look shifty and, and just especially these days with the self checkouts you can get away with more I'm guessing yeah the self self checkout is like I just don't want to pay you for don't this. even need bags or anything you can just walk out with in your hands you know what I mean if you have it in a bag it looks like you've bought it but um, yeah. if you look dodgy Apparently. if you look dodgy looking over you, looking shifty looking over your shoulders you know what I mean putting something in your pocket you know twiddling your fingers around stuff but if you just walked in picked it up and turned around and walked out you're probably going to get not get caught no you won't it's you crazy could, yeah it's bad there, there is a lot of a lot of that going on, but yeah, definitely, but on an extreme level. Yeah, we're talking. Yeah, yeah. Lives, <laughs> we're talking yeah. live. I mean, like doctors are the people the authorities turn to for confirmation of the cause of death. His word was gospel, so you know what I mean. It's, they're saying what happened. He goes, "This happened," and they go, "Well, okay, yes, so and so died of a heart attack because Doctor Shipman wrote it down on the death certificate." And he was yeah. like, ah. and then they go, "Okay, okay, carry on." So he was very charismatic, and a lot of people fell for him. He was a bit of a cunt, though. I mean, obviously, aside from killing, you know, hundreds of people, he was a bit of a cunt to people other than his patients. And a lot of people really, really liked him, like a lady called Bianca Ponfrit. She was 49 when he killed her. So one of his youngest victims, not the youngest. We'll get to that in a bit. Her family kind of indicated that she had, I mean, yeah, it was an unhealthy relationship. Nothing... Nothing like you're thinking immediately when you say that. They reckon that she was kind of like depending on him, um, and he seemed to he seemed to sort of I don't know. It's reading between the lines. She was infatuated by him, and he was she was actually he was treating her for uh, manic depression. So I suppose if he's making her feel better and telling her what she wants to hear, she's going to go and visit him quite a lot. Uh, on one occasion, her family said that she, uh, they wanted to move house, just you know whatever part of life, and she put the stops to it because. It would mean that she was moving further away from Harold Shipman. So it's like an obsession in a way, isn't it? Yeah. So she's putting she's putting him above and before her own family. So much so that she even changed her will and left him sixty thousand pounds and a house. Ah, was that the reason why? Uh, yeah. Well, she told Bianca told him I've le- I've changed yeah, my yeah. will. What the fuck? And relocated all my assets to you. You know, in the uh, in the unlikely scenario of, of my death. Anyway, I, d- I don't think I need an injection today. What, what are you doing? What yeah. just, you do. <laughs> yeah, within within a couple of months of telling of, t- of telling him that, she tragically died. But luckily, her family said to her, look, man, what are you doing leaving all of your, you know, all of this, give it to the family? Yeah, you can't just, that's, that's just odd, giving it to the doctor. Mm. This is the kind of person he was, and there's, there's a few instances... Was he giving her loads of like, other drugs, like heroin or something? Just do you know what I mean? Or, or was, I'm not saying that she was a, like, a druggie, but, you know, he was there with He knows, some he knows weird how to work people. Mm. He knows how to work people. He might have killed her because he thought he was going to get a few quid and a house because she told him. Or if she told him that she changed her will, he might have whacked her because, fuck it. He was annoyed, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he stole from patients whenever he could. That was quite quite regular. Oh, did he? Okay, he he wasn't just killing them. He was literally pilfering and doing everything. Y- yes, oh, not okay. major. Th- it's the major pilfering that got him. Oh fucked. right, was it? Is that what got the greediness of it all? You mean? Well, it's amazing all this occurred occurred in the medical world because that's full of paperwork and medical records and signatures, paper trails. Yeah, but he knew because he was a trusted doctor. No one suspected him. It's really a case of who's watching the watchers. This is. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of like like you say if it's if you watched someone in the shop. This I'm going back to this because it's just an easy analogy. Just what you see him walking, pick up something, walking. Did he did he just do that? And some people might stop it. And some people might go, yeah. We, I think I don't know. Maybe maybe it was too blatant. No, he didn't do it. But if the manager and the stock takers robbing, 
Who's going to fucking know then? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because they're going to just shit. You'll have to get caught by someone else in the business. So um, we'll go into his, his early life. His name's Harold Frederick Shipman. A lot of people called him Fred, but we'll just stick to, to Harold. Did he piss himself? No, no pissing. Did no he kill any fire, animals? No animals, nothing like that at all. Okay. He, he was born on the 14th of January, 1946, in Nottingham, which is quite close to us, just at the road. Yep. His mum, Vera, which is a solid name, and his dad, Harold. Yeah. Not very creative there. No. But yeah, I know. I would have called him Shipman. Shipman, Shipman. Stick with I think that's why people called him Fred. Dave. Whatever. Religious family. Could have called him Navy. Navy Shipman. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It was something along the boat line. Yeah, that would have worked, I suppose. Yeah. He's working class, living on a council estate, normal. Uh, he had three, three siblings, brother and a sister. And I think he was a middle child. A total normal upbringing. Like I just said, no abuse, no bangs on the head, didn't piss the bed, wasn't setting fire to stuff. He went to High Pavement Grammar School, which is a weird name. And uh, by all accounts, he was an intelligent lad, but he didn't, he didn't apply himself, which is quite common. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just can't be fucked because it's boring. Yeah. But you could tell he had smarts. And uh, his mother apparently would keep, she re- like installed into his, his, his young mind that he was superior and above everybody else. And uh, I think he definitely got a, su- a superiority complex because of, because of his mother. He looked down his nose on people throughout his entire life. That's why okay. he was a bit of a... He just thought he was better, some sort of elite person. Yeah, I think his mum came from um, a hard background. And when she got to this sort of, you know... Um, the status that she had, she she was trying to do the best for her children by saying, you can do better, you are better than everyone else. And it kind of backfired. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> think it yeah. didn't quite go the way. He was good at, he was good at sports, cross-country runner. Okay. Um, played rugby. I'm assuming he might have got a bang on the head or two. Maybe. Doing he, he that. Doesn't, he doesn't look like he'd be good at rugby, from what I remember what he looks like. There is video footage of him playing rugby, which I thought was well weird, because this is like an inconspicuous person. It, you know, back in the 19... When would this have been? Fifth, late 50s? And there's video footage of it. Yeah. Whatever, that, is odd, that is odd, actually, isn't it? Yeah, how big was the camera back then? Size of a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if the, you know, like the photos, we have to stay still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you have yeah. to stay still for every frame as he's doing the rugby move. That takes him about 10 hours to, gravity. to do, to do <laughs> a fucking... <laughs> yeah, to do a fucking 10 sec, ten Well, one second scene. It takes 10 hours. <laughs> Stop motion. So all's normal. He was a bit of a loner. Didn't really get many friends because he was looking down his nose at people all the time and he was distancing from... Because like, he would say, he'd look at people and go, you're not as good as me. Fuck yeah, I'm not talking to you. You're not worth it. And he became isolated. This happened to him in his later life as well. People said that his wife, uh, Primrose, we'll get onto her in a bit. Uh, and he, That's a good name. It is pretty cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. They didn't socialise with people at all. They kind of just retreated into themselves. Okay. He was very close to his mum who um, unfortunately had lung cancer and eventually died. And this is the only notable part of his childhood that's worth going into because he used to care for her quite a lot. I think his dad was a lorry driver and he was off, you know, going around. His old, his old, he was a middle child, so his older sister, she'd moved out. His younger brother wasn't of age to care for his mum. I think he was sort of 16, 17 when this was really kicking off, so he was... He was the person to look after her. Um, and she died in almost exactly the same way as all of his victims. Very, very similar. Um, and I think he probably got his method for killings from witnessing his mother's slow demise. There's so many similarities. Right. 
So she would get visits from doctors, check. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd give her regular morphine injections to cope with the pain, check. Yeah. And like his mom would be consumed in pain, as you could, you know, imagine, unable to function. And doctors would come, come around, give her a jab. And then she'd seemingly be fine. So when you said that, all I could thought is they walk around and punched her. <laughs> walk out. Left and he watched this happen. Like, you know, she'd be in pain and then the injection would, you know, kill the pain. And she'd mm-hmm. be uh, for years until she died in uh, on 21st of June, 1963. I think inwardly he was devastated by his mum's death, but he didn't, sh- he sort of sh- shrugged it off. To all his mates, didn't seem to care. Like one of his mates said to him, "What did you do at the weekend?" And he went, "Well, my mum died, and I went for a run." Right. Okay. That's so it's just like like it was like a normal thing. Like I went for a sandwich, and then I went for a run. Yeah. You, you backtrack a second. Your mum died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a hard exterior, mm. I suppose. Or Very superior, isn't they? So he didn't want to look weak. Well, just a fatalist. I don't know. I don't know. We'll never know. But this exposure to medical care set him on on the path to become a doctor. And he enrolled at medical school uh, at Leeds University. Ironically, vowing to care pe- for people for the rest of his life. Mm. Uh, when he was 19, he met his wife Primrose, who he got pregnant uh, when she was 17. They got married. Her folks didn't like Shipman. I don't think they approved of the wedding, but, you know, fuck them, do what you like. Uh, they had four kids, and they stayed together for the rest of his life. Yeah. He graduated from Leeds in 1970 and worked at Pontefract General Infirmary as a junior doctor, just kind of like learning the ropes, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. And the inquest reckons that he started murdering people as soon as he got a job as a doctor, like straight off the bat. Then just went straight for it. Yeah, possibly in 1970. Right, okay. Like he's like he gets qualified. He's like, who wants it then? Which one of you fuckers wants to die? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I'm having it. Yeah. So medical records show that there was a suspicious period, a six-month period between in 1972, where 15 people died under his care, and in total, 133 patients died on wards that he was in charge of, whilst he was a junior doctor. The fuck. And obviously, that's a bit of um. It, Statistically, that's a spike, but we're going so far back. The thing is, like you say, you know, they they've got so many hundred on record, but there's going to be some which aren't on record there as well. So it's just it's pure speculation. Yeah, but there was a student nurse called Sandra Whitehead, and she told the inquiry during his trial that she remembered around three deaths per day whilst working with shipment at Pontefract General Infirmary. From um, from shipment? Well, most oh, of them reckon. occurred at night when nobody was around, no visitors. I mean, we can only, like I say, we can only speculate, but we know what he's like. So, yeah, probably. You'd be like, ah, oh, don't have shipment. He's a shit doctor. Everyone keeps dying under his watch. Well, if you think about... When, when you think that, you'd be like, oh, fuck's sake. No one's looking at it. No. Maybe the nurses must look at it, but not... A suspect to just go, oh, it's just like real bad luck. Or well, something. if the doctor says it, then the doctor says it. Yeah, I don't know. In hindsight, we're looking back on this and going, what? But we can't, it's impossible to tell. Because he was writing false medical records and, and medical notes for deaths, like when he killed people, which would cover his tracks. And like the, um, the, uh, the doctors said that the notes were written in a kind of an agitated, angry way, as if he was pissed off with... Specific patients. Okay, so it's like he's got angry and then done it, sort of thing. Yeah, like those who were suffering from like lung disease and they were refusing to quit smoking. Yeah. So he'd fucking write down <laughs> and then just get right down, like in an agitated, and then just kill them. It's that's what it seems like. Yeah. 
Well, as we're going to get through more of the details... And he just do it there and then and with his little bit of anger or something. Well, he just go, you're going to die tonight. And then when Fuck the lights you. go down, everyone goes home, walks in, just whacks them up. Just coming to sort you out, Mrs. Whatever, or Mr. Whatever. No need and for an autopsy. Yeah. Don't, oh, he's dead. Oh, well. In 1974, Harold Shipman moves on and joins the Abraham Medical Center in Todd Morden. Do you recognise Todd Morden? Todd Morden? Yeah. It's a tiny town in Yorkshire. Right, okay. It's that fucking place again. It's got obviously the world's most prolific serial killer and the place where aliens abducted Adam, uh, <laughs> Alan Godfrey. <laughs> Maybe it's all linked. Yeah, you were, who fucking knows, man? <laughs> now, the first official red flag occurs around this time. We're talking about 1974, 1976-ish, uh, when Dr. Shipman began suffering from blackouts. He was just collapsing in the surgery and just falling over. Um, I think he did some tests and either diagnose. It's difficult. Like the diagnosis of this is 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 hard to pin down. He ended up being diagnosed with epilepsy, but I suspect that he probably diagnosed himself. Right. Okay. So he's decided that he's got epilepsy. Well, he's collapsing everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. And this ep- he might be right, but you know, well, are you allowed to diagnose yourself? I'm not sure. It just is a, very, it's a bit of a grey area. This you can is. know you can know that you're ill with something, but can you diagnose yourself? I don't. You know what I mean? Well, it could have destroyed his medical career because you're not allowed to drive when you've got epilepsy right? or true, suffering yeah. from fits for obvious... I mean, you can't be having a fit whilst driving. might kill someone, yeah. heaven forbid. But his wife Primrose was like, you know what, don't worry about it. I'll drive so, you. Yeah, don't worry, just keep quiet. It's fine. So she, he was able to carry on his job because his wife was just going to take him from A to B. Everything yeah. was fine. But little did everybody know at the time that this was it was a complete fucking lie. Right, okay. Didn't have epilepsy. He was a smackhead, right? He okay, so he's off his tits a lot then. Yeah, he's addicted to pethidine, which was a, a pain-relieving drug for uh, for women used in childbirth. He had access to it when he worked as a gynecologist, but only briefly. He was a gynecologist? Yeah. Ecologist. Clout doctor. And he's sitting there. Box mechanic, if you will. Box mechanic. Uh, your box mechanic's going to be in in a minute. <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> Apparently he was too rough, and he got moved on from that. But yeah, he was he was over-prescribing and shooting up with the excess, which is a common theme. This is, what, this is basically what he did. I mean, doctors getting hooked on stuff is quite common. I can imagine it would be. I know if they know they're feeling a bit rough, for instance, and they know there's some mental drug which can sort you out quite quickly, they'll probably just go, oh, fuck it, I'll just have one. And then, it could, then next time they go, oh, that helps, we'll do that again. And then they go, fucking give me ten. <laughs> now! Next thing you know. You're off your fi- face all the time, aren't you? Yeah. In 1976, he got busted when the home office visited the medical centre because the local pharmacist noted an unusual amount of drugs going into the Abraham Medical Centre, and more specifically to Dr. Shipman, who's just sitting in the corner, gurning his face off at this point. <laughs> so it could be part of the drugs which has made him do this as well. I don't think so. He's obviously been doing it, but what I mean is that, it, that could either ramp up the game or lower it. Or he might even change it the way he might have been one of the reasons why he got caught as well. He might have clouded his um, judgment and let him do the stuff he did. And then because he got away with it, he was like, fuck it, I'll just carry on. Yeah. Who knows? But investigators and like independent doctors came in and spoke to Shipman about this this um, this over-prescribing of drugs. And, and where are they all? And they're like, mate, we've seen his veins in his arms and his legs and they, apparently they'd collapsed. So he was properly going Kurt Cobain. Yeah, he's probably just having it large. Well, you, he's free drugs for him. Exactly. Each to own. And they, they, even, <laughs> they even spoke to uh, his patients and said, uh, did 
did um, Dr. Shipman administer pethidine whilst you were in childbirth? And most of them were going, pethidine? The fuck's that? No, he didn't do anything. It was fucking agony the whole way through. Meanwhile, he's got a fucking cupboard full of it. <laughs> the bastard. <laughs> he was taken to court on eight charges of obtaining drugs via deception. He was fined 600 quid. So 600 quid doesn't sound like a lot, but we're talking back in the mid-70s. He said sorry, and he was free to go. They could have struck him off the medical register, but um, they didn't because oh. he, he agreed to go into rehab. And they were like, no, nah, he's all right. It's fine. Uh, and it emerged in it the... sounds silly, but like you say, that probably happens a lot. But oh, obviously yeah. not to the extreme where he's killing people, but someone might just get hooked and go, look, we'll sort you out and you can be a doctor again. D- during the trial, actually in court, what they found out is that he was he gave a woman, this is what, just one instance of over-prescribing pethidine and probably being off his tits and not knowing what the fuck he was doing. Uh, so a lady in, in labour gave her a massive dose of pethidine to cope with the pain. Um, within 24 hours of the, the child being born, the baby apparently went blue and was struggling to breathe. This is at home. They're right. at home now. So they called Shipman. He turned up at the house, and unfortunately, the baby died. Whoops. Oh, no. Uh, he wrote the cause of death as sudden infant death syndrome, and obviously nobody checked anything. I suppose if they've had the call, which is an emergency, they might go, well, it's probably like a... Just, you know, off the bat, if they're really panicking, probably it's a 50-50. Let's see what happens anyway. And then he's just gone and gone, I don't know, we'll stick some like methylated spirit into his arm or something. <laughs> See what happens. No, it's because he gave too much to the the mother during l- labour. Oh, right, okay, okay. And then she had the baby and he turned up and 20, 24 hours later, they called him in and yeah, the kid's yeah. fucking half dead and then it died and he just went, nah, just, just died, one of them things. Smacked off its tits because he overdid them. <laughs> it's awful, mate. So in 1979, free of drugs, he joins a small medical practice called the Donnybrook Medical Centre in Hyde, which is... Uh, at the time, I think it was something like 60,000 people living there, so it's not very big. Incidentally, it's the former home of Myra Hindley and Ian Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's just like a, like, the, you know, when people go, oh, it's such a small world, isn't it? It is, isn't it, really? Re- well, yeah. He was open, apparently, and honest in the interview, and he said, yeah, man, I, I fucked up. I got hooked on pethidine, but I realised my mistakes. He reckoned it was, he told them that it was part of um, the addiction began during his student years where they were doing experiments with pethidine and nobody knew that it was addictive and he was injecting it and got hooked. Right, okay. Lame excuse, but they bought it. And he was like, look, I'm a new man. Honest, trust me, just give me a second chance. And they were like, okay, mate, you deserve it. Upstanding doctor like yourself. And he became a pillar of the community. Extremely well-liked. He became school governor. He joined St. John's Ambulance. Became a member of the Scouts. Fingers of doom. Fingers, yeah. <laughs> Fingers of doom. Because of this, he developed a massive list, like a huge list of trusting patients. Right, okay. And in 1991, so a number of years later, he was fed up of being one of the many doctors in the practice. And yeah. he, he didn't like working. He didn't want to be one of the partners. Mm-hmm. Wanted to go on his, apparently, he was a prick to employees that weren't, it weren't doctors, like a receptionist. He'd, there was one receptionist... He sounds like a prick, I've got to say. He refused to speak to the receptionist and got her to communicate via notes left on his desk. Like, what kind of a fucking helmet are you? I could have released, gone, learn sign language and talked to me in sign language. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> Imagine that, like, you are a right prick, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to be sign language in Japanese. Yeah. I yeah, I want you to write your notes in Japanese to me. <laughs> what? 
So like he thought he could do things better and more efficient, uh, more efficiently on his own. So he he decided to leave the Donnybrook Medical Center after nearly twenty years and start his own private GP surgery, taking his nearly three thousand patients with him. Okay, so there's a fucking load of them. Yeah, Donnybrook didn't want him to leave, but he was like, "Look, give a fuck," and just left anyway. He fucked that, that centre over proper because he was a partner and a shareholder. They had to buy him out. So they had to pay him money to leave. Yeah. Which just funded his... So it was like a win-win for him. Yeah, yeah. And to rub salt in the wound, his new medical practice was almost over the road. <laughs> it was like, in your face, bitches. Yeah. You're paying for me to set this up. Fuck you. Meanwhile, he's killing everyone. So now he's in charge of his own gaff. Uh, he's his own boss. Nobody's watching or looking over his shoulder. This allowed him to really fucking properly kick back and enjoy his favourite pastime of, of killing of, people. Of murdering. What are you doing tonight? Uh, well, I fancy a bit of murdering, to be honest. It's, mate, it's going to get insane. Because like for, he's been at it for years at this point, but now it's like, you know, lock up your grands. Yeah. Shipman set up shop. <laughs> In the seven years or so that he was at that practice before getting busted, he killed an astonishing number of people. Hundreds. Hundreds, mate. I think this is because there was no one looking over his shoulder. Well, like, he could just get away with it, couldn't he? Obviously, he could just like, well, not the perk of the job, because obviously they're not meant to. But yeah, but you know, like when someone goes, oh, you know, you got to have a, you know, a little tickle now and then. In other words, you take something, from, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You can get a, f- a couple of free screwdrivers as an electrician <laughs> or something. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's yeah, but it's just on an extreme level. He was like, you can get you know a couple of hundred. Murders, yeah. you know, <laughs> the about <laughs> nick everyone's fucking cash. So I'm going to name some of the victims, right, and the way that they were found, and see if you can see any patterns. Well, these are all random, mm-hmm. apart from a couple that I picked because they were. You'll see why. But Dorothy Andrews, she 85 years old. She died on the 12th of September 1996, following a lethal injection from Shipman after he visited her in her home in Hyde to deliver results of a diabetes test. Right. Then you got Joseph Bardsley, 84, died at his house in Hyde on the 15th of April, 1984. Shipman popped round to take a blood sample. Lily Bardsley, 89, she died at her home in Hyde on the 7th of March, 1995. Requested a visit after she fell over, like banged her head or something, so Shipman popped round. Dead. Nellie Bardsley, 69, she was in a bungalow. Um, it, this was on, in 1987, 29th of December. Shipman had popped round because she fell ill. Dead. Vera Bramwell, 79. Died at home. Where's that place fucking called? Uh, yeah, Hyde. Uh, this was on the 20th of December, 1985. Bizarrely, Shipman had been round and... Can you link this together with it? I don't know. Marjorie Parker, 74. Died at home in Hyde. On the 27th of April, 1993, Shipman had visited her twice on the day of her death. I mean, it's probably just a coincidence. Oh, it must be. I reckon it is. The list is shockingly long. Like, it's pages. It's like, this can't be real. It's um. So, he's, he's basically old people and not in the surgery. So, where the, no well, one else did, can he see. He's in the surgery as well. Yeah, but what I mean is, in a way, it's better for him to do it away from there because no one can see. You know what I mean? If there was a nurse around or something around, they might go, that's a bit odd, giving them that. Why are you giving them that? So you just go, well, I've, I've given them this and, you know, I've, I'm the doctor and, I'm, you know, they don't need to have an autopsy. Bur- burn them! <laughs> yeah, burn them. <laughs> he used to cover his tracks. Like, one of the common things that people would find is that he'd, he'd turn up the, the heat 
like literally like you kill someone and then go into their find their boiler and then whack the heat up in the house um, so the bodies would be slightly warmer than they should be which would then delay rigor mortis which made working out the time of death a lot harder oh right okay so so not only were like obviously they were obviously he was killing him in the house or whatever they go why is it so always so hot when when dr shipman's patients die well what? they were old you see yeah they were cold Dr. Shipman said that, so it must be right. What he should have done is just had a microwave big enough to fit a human in and just put them in that for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Just then put them out and they go, what? They just died of radiation poisoning, yeah, yeah. microwave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Must be an alien. Alien come down and fingered them and they died. <laughs> well, it is Todd Morden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, That's I what I mean. Is. Yeah. Should we have a, a beer and a break? Let's do it. Beers, I do. Do you? Yeah. I've been sort of listening and drawing, so, and I've had. Well, I'm on the second now, so. I always do it a couple of beers, and then I start going slurring. It's not because I'm drunk. It is. Yeah, it's because I'm. (laughs) (laughs) So we get back to these murderous bastards. Yeah, yeah. So in March 1998, a few select people were watching. They're starting to pay attention. A local undertaker's called Frank Massey and Sons Funeral Parlour started getting suspicious because they're dealing with death on a, on a daily basis. It's their world. They fucking love it, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're familiar with the patterns of people dying or lack of patterns because there's obviously an inherent randomness in death. It's not usual, you know, for hundreds of people all with the same doctor, all in the same town <laughs> to die in very similar ways. Yeah, yeah. So they're starting to twig on this, and they they, uh, they thought something's going on here. And the patterns that they were, they initially picked up on were most were wi- old women. They all died at home after Shipman had visited because they're going to houses and picking up the bodies. Most died sitting up in a chair, fully clothed, because they're going to the house and picking up the fucking bodies. They get to see this. It's not imp- it's not imp- um, like an unpredictable way as it, as it should happen. You know, like you, you'd imagine you'd find people. In, in bed, on the kitchen floor, or in the fucking bath, of the garden path, you know what I mean? Yeah. Randomly, everywhere. And it's not surprising, in my opinion, that the first suspicions came from this profession, mm-hmm. this area of work, you know, the death trade. Because not really, it's like nobody really sees th- this area of life or death or gives it a second thought. It's out of sight, but funeral directors... And doctors are intimately connect- connected. Well, because they, they need to know, don't they, as well? They need to know what's happened, if it's like a suicide or if it's, you know, a mangled car crash. They need to know, don't they? Well, they, they need to know this shit. They're seeing it all. Yeah, yeah. And like they liked the business that Shipman was sending them. Of course they did. But there was fucking loads of it. And they were <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> our business, since the Shipman's come in, our business has gone up 500%. 
fucking... It's, it's weird, man, because, like, as people start to clock on, it's like the film Hot Fuzz. There's, like, a, you know, like an overshadowing, all-powerful person operating in the shadows of a small English town, literally hiding in plain sight, mm-hmm. just doing whatever just they blatant, want. blatant, yeah. So Frank Ma- Massey and Sons, they're a, they're a family business, and, and they discuss their suspicions at home, like over dinner or something. Yeah. And they agreed something was up, and they were like, we're going to have to go and speak to him about that because we've got to, we, you know, we can't just let this go by. It's, it's Is there something repa- weird going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Frank Massey himself, the head honcho of the funeral parlour, paid Shipman a visit at his surgery. And he was like, listen, you weapon, what the fuck's up with all these old yeah. old dead people? Why, why is there so many in, on, on your watch? Why yeah. are they all coming in? What's going on? He just confronted him. And yeah, he yeah. was quite blunt. Apparently Shipman was quite blunt and just ridiculed him saying, look, mate, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not a medical professional. You just pick up dead people. And he was like, these are all random deaths. And he was like, nah, mate, you're signing their death certificates. Yeah. It's just your word. And Shipman's like, what do you expect? I'm a doctor. Of course I'm signing their desk. Yeah, yeah. It's my job. Yeah. And he's like, but they're all sitting in the fucking chair. They're all for... There's so many patterns. He was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Go home. Go home. Go back to doing what you're doing. I'm a doctor. I'm God. And, and uh, Deborah Massey, who also worked at the funeral parlour, she spoke to doctors at the Donnybrook Medical Centre where Shipman used to work before he left. Yeah. And uh, she was like, have you seen this? Have you heard this? <laughs> and they were like, okay. Yeah, I'm starting to see the patterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they alerted the police, who in turn alerted the coroner's office. I'm going to call him the the insight pla- um, silent assassin. Assassin. That's going to be my nickname for him. I oh, mate, there's so many people that knew what was going on or had inklings, but it was just kind of like to- totally ignored. So the police conducted a covert investigation and watched him closely. Mm-hmm. They didn't interfere with medical records or anything like that, but they just monitored him. Okay. And Did he know this was happening, did they? He hadn't got a fucking clue. Right, okay, good. And it was all above board. If they'd searched his criminal record, they would have discovered his past of, you know, fraudulently obtaining drugs and being a smackhead. Mm. Uh, but, you know, that's hindsight for you, isn't it? Yep. Again, who watches the watchers? Yeah, exactly. I suppose, like, you know... It's like someone in power, you know, when they get away with stuff when they're in power, and that's kind of like human power. Yeah. Yeah, power power, where people can just, like, go, fuck this, we're going to make our own rule, and we're doing this. And you've got human power where... The people. We trust him because he fixes people. Oh, does he? But he's fucking dying. Yeah. So five months later, after Frank Massinson initially went to the police, this was in August 1998, a local taxi driver called John Shaw, he was getting suspicious as well because... He reckons about 24 of his elderly customers died mysteriously out the blue after being visited by shipment at their homes. Okay, so he's clocked it himself. Because they're like old ladies that he's picking up and taking to the supermarket or to like the tea rooms or whatever to see their mates. You know, it's like a £1.75 taxi drive for 150 yards down the road. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That kind of people. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, no, nah, man, Doris was fine. She was fine in the morning. Yeah. Something fucking right. Again, he saw the patterns and he went to the police who told him, they were like, listen, mate, it, that's life. They were old. We've, we've checked it. It's all above board. And John Shaw's like, hang on a second. You, you're aware of it. You've checked it. What do you mean? Who else has come to you? Yeah, yeah. Surely that what alone. does this mean? Yeah, yeah. He's it like, sounds I'm, like he's, he's a suspect already. Well, he's like, I'm the second person because you, you're saying that it's all above. Mate, should have opened your eyes, but whatever, man. So Shipman, with his superiority complex and intellect and perceived godlike powers, he had no idea that a simple taxi driver, as he would have said, 
was hot on his heels. Yeah. So I've got, but I've got to add here though, he didn't always kill the elderly. If an opportunity presented itself, and he thought, you know what, fuck it, someone was weak. Yeah, I can get away with pneumonia or something like that, or some sort of problem. They can go, well, they might die from that, so we'll make them die from that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Shipman's youngest victim—I say youngest victim, his youngest known victim—was a four-year-old girl called Susie Garfit. She was a quadriplegic suffering from cerebral palsy. Mm. He killed her in hospital when Susie's mom left her in Shipman's care when she went to go and get like a cup of coffee or something. When she came back, she was, she was dead. dead. Yeah. What did he say about that? How did he bowl his way around that? She just died. She passed away, mate. It just happens sometimes. I'm a doctor. Trust me. People do do- just drop down dead. And it's true. There are a lot of them. You look at my history. Especially in his it's books. quite common. Especially in my books, mate. Uh, mate. They, they always drop down dead around me. What are you going to do? Just life. I, I, want a, I want a mortician to look at it. And you're like, um, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no autopsy. No, no, no autopsy. Need no. Don't need it. Trust me. I was there. You um, don't want to do that to your door, do you? We're going to bury him. I've already committed her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't bury because you know it's only they're only down there for seventy five years. You've got to relocate them. You don't want them dug up. Just bu- just burn them. Just burn them and just, just you know them. put them in your cup of tea or something. <laughs> so as as it always does in these cases, he went too far and got cocky, and it all came crashing down. His last victim, Kathleen Grundy, was a wealthy fit and healthy 81-year-old. Mm-hmm. Now, she visited Shipman at his surgery on the 23rd of June, 1998, which was the day before she died. Mm-hmm. Don't know what happened in the appointment, but essentially, he was like, don't worry, I'll pop round tomorrow morning to your house. That's oh, so he had it planned, basically. Gi- yeah, yes. yeah. I'll give you... I'll it wasn't a spur of the moment. I feel ill. Yeah. He's She's coming, going up. There's something a bit funny in my elbow or something. Yeah, I'll give you a blood sample. Yeah. I'll, pop I'll tell tomorrow. you what, I'll come round tomorrow and we'll sort it out tomorrow. So on the 24th of June, the next day, he went round, he sat her down in a chair, fully clothed. He probably told her to close her eyes or, or something like that. And instead of doing a, a blood sample or whatever it was that he said <coughs> he was going to do, he injected her with a massive amount of morphine and then just walked out and left her to die. It makes you think with all these house things, because they're old and all that, do you reckon he'd literally just done it and walked out? Or do you reckon he was yeah. taking things as well? He was taking stuff. So say, because if, if he's in, on his own in their house, you know what I mean? He can just go, right, do this, free reign of the house for a bit, you know what I mean? Have a bath, do whatever you want to do, you know yeah, what I mean? He done, <laughs> yeah. And then just go, I'll take that bit he, of that. He was. And then we go, well, sorry, she died. Let's put the heating up so it looks like it was an hour later or something. He, it's so shocking what he did to these people. It's unbelievable. I mean, we're going to get into this more because suspicions... People were reporting stuff, but it was just being ignored. So her body, Kathleen's body, was found and with the family in, in total shock. And I mean, she wasn't ill. She was, she was a, fine. She, she yeah, was yeah. fine. They called Dr. Shipman, who obviously gave his... Because he's her doctor. So yeah, he yeah. Kind words of sympathy, signed the death certificate, stating that she died from old age. He was 100% confident that he got away with it because he'd done it like... 250 times or something ridiculous. He said that she didn't require an autopsy because obviously she'd seen a doctor within seven days of her death. Yeah. And he urged the family not to pursue one because, you know, you don't want to put your your dear mother through that invasive procedure. Why? She's dead. Sorry, but that's how I'd say it. You know what I mean? If someone died, I'd go, well, no, what what, does it matter? True. They're dead. They didn't know. I don't know. It's grief, isn't it? They're just like, they don't, they're not, they're trusting him. Yeah, no, that's what I mean, but that's why if you've got doubts, you put it in the morticians to, to, to give you, you know, to either prove your doubts right or wrong. So you, you go, no, I want an autopsy. 
Simple as. In hind- well, they did get one in the end. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't uh, how we thought it was going to go. Well, okay. Not how it would normally go down. So her body was buried, mm-hmm. and then that was that. Until, like, the family are now in the grieving process. The funerals happened. A few days later, uh, Kathleen's daughter, Angela Woodruff, who was a fucking lawyer, by the way. Oh, right, okay. Became suspicious. And, and thank God she did, because if she didn't... He'd still be there doing it now, possibly. probably. Uh, the family solicitor is a guy called... Uh, Brian Burgess, he called Angela up on the phone. He said, listen, you know your mum changed her will like right before she died. And Angela was like, what are you on about? Because she was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. She took care of all of her mother's financial affairs. Oh, right, okay. So she would have contacted her first. Yeah, okay. and there was no need, there was no reason to. Mm-hmm. The will was, at the time of of, uh, of writing, uh, it was... was Sound. There mm-hmm. was no need to change it. So this new uh, will, which was r- written days before her death, excluded Angela and her children, and left everything totaling something like nearly four hundred thousand pounds to Doctor Shipman. How would you? G- oh, sorry, but it's supposed to be clever, right? And I'm sorry, but that's not like sh- surely. Okay, you got the one who was infatuated with him, right? But she was an old lady. They're gonna go. Everyone's going to call bullshit on that. <laughs> yeah. It's conveniently she died, you know what I mean? And obviously she's meant to be in control of the books, so to speak, right? And then that happens. You just be like, this is bullshit, this. He just thought it was invincible. It was a fucking helmet, mate. Well, yeah. But that's that's fucked him up. That's, that's the, the one, isn't it? Well, she inspected the will. Angela inspected the will. And it was like an off-the-shelf, generic will, typed out really poorly on an old-school typewriter mm-hmm. countersigned by random people that she she didn't know and it was full of spelling mistakes and grammar errors which mm-hmm. she said her mother would never have tolerated she was quite that motherfucker she started to think something's he's done something here mm. so knowing this she went to the police she took the will and um said listen i think something's up and the coppers were like just look leave that poor upstanding doctor alone why does everyone keep saying the that third he's group people. of people in here that have come to Hang on a yeah. second. Who's next? I've got a complaint about shipment. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he wasn't arrested immediately because they need to get evidence. They, the evidence that they had was enough to to grab him and nab yeah, him. Yeah. But they were like, no, let's, let's build the case around it. So they spoke to it. And apparently he was unbelievably cocky. He was looking down his nose on the police, just ridiculing them, saying everything's above board, blah, blah, blah. But horrifically, to gather evidence, Kathleen's body had to be exhumed. So that mm-hmm. poor fucking family man. Yeah. So now they know that this geezer's trying to rob them and potentially has they've killed their mom or their grandma. Why and would, they got why their body up? Do you think an 81-year-old um, lady who's got a family would do that, leave everything to the doctor? Unless no. the family hated... Well, she hated the family and they never spoke. Changes the world and dies. Do you know like what I mean? Days later. Yeah, yeah. It's... it's, it's they had to dig a body up and, and do tests to get a second opinion on the cause of death to see if it actually matched what mm-hmm. Shipman had wrote down on the death certificate. So the family knew this was going on, and the police kept it quiet, really low-key, because they didn't want to alert Shipman. Shipman didn't know. He wasn't told, Okay. but um, the, the the exhumation of the bodies was conducted at night. People could see the lights and stuff, and Happened, the police yeah, actually yeah. got phone calls saying people were in there desecrating graves, and they were no, like, just no, fucking it's, relax. It's just relax. me, don't So they tried to keep it, but I suspect strongly. In fact, I know that he, he, he somehow... Next day probably knew 
Yeah. So samples were sent away, and uh, forensics found a massive amount of morphine in her blood, which they reckon, as far as they could tell, was administered three hours, roughly, before her death. So it's not natural causes straight mm-hmm. away. So that's all they needed to approach him. So on the 7th of September 1998, the feds waited outside his surgery because mm-hmm. it was still open. There were patients in there. So they just sat on the low key. Didn't want to scare the old grannies. Yeah, yeah. And then they approached him when he was locking up and they arrested him for the murder of Kathleen Grundy. Just one person. Okay. They're well, that's all they could do at the time, I suppose. Even though they've got loads of people linked to it. Well, that, no, at the moment they haven't. It's just one woman right. coming in saying he's changed the will t- and she died. But the taxi man was saying stuff as well, you know. I mean, so they must be building on it. But the, it's one where they've actually got physical evidence of it. Yeah. So, well, get this, mate. When he was confronted with the evidence of the of the morphine in in Kathleen's uh, blood and tissue samples, he tried to explain it away by claiming that she was a heroin addict. The and fuck? It, they were like, what the fuck? He was like, check the records. She's an 81 year old lady. He was like, check the records if you really want her. And the cops like, shut the fuck up, you cock wobbler. You've just you've written just, down you've changed heroin it, yeah. addict in the margin. He literally did that. In the yeah. margins of her, rec- of her medical records, he wrote down heroin addict to try and blag them. And they were like, nah, mate. This is a fucking fit and healthy 81 year old woman that volunteered sorry, at homeless people's homes. A heroin granny. Yeah, I doubt it. How many 81-year-olds people do you know are on heroin? Yeah, where's you know she getting from? They're dead by the age of about 30. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So so when he was in custody, they searched his house, um, which, by the way, was a fucking... It was a hoarder's house. It was a complete shit tip. Yeah, yeah. Inside, they found loads of gold rings and jewellery, you know, like, uh, like necklaces and shit, yeah. yeah. All stored in a holder in his garage. So he's been nicking the houses and... Yeah, yeah. He was giving his wife gemstones and rings and gold and stuff that he was stealing off elderly people that he just murdered unbelievable he had bags of the stuff lying around the thing is mate the jewellery was being reported missing in a lot of cases mm. because family members would turn up to whoever it was that had died and see that rings weren't there yeah yeah and then they'd start like, accusing each other yeah like yeah to be like Mildred would never have took her wedding ring off yeah. or whatever yeah where's that gone who's got it I mean, there was no wedding ring when she came in well she wouldn't have took it off well it's not in the yeah, fucking yeah. house yeah. you must you found a body yeah, you yeah. must have had it you were the last person to see her alive and they'd also notice that cash was disappearing it's hardcore man because th- those families who like after this all went down they wanted their Precious sentimental jewellery from their mother, their grandmother, yeah. granddad. They don't give a fuck about the cash. It's more about the stuff which is linked to the person they love. Exactly. But coppers, they were like trying to follow the letter of the law. And they were like, listen, you've got to prove that this stuff is yours. And most couldn't, obviously. Yeah, because now you're going to prove that your fucking grand bought a ring in 1952. You've never got a picture with it. It's probably like 1930s, actually, or something like that, where there's no fucking receipt or, you know, it's probably made... On some stool somewhere. But the police <laughs> have got no choice but to do this. So they mm. ended up returning around £10,000 worth of suspected stolen jewellery back to Shipman's wife, which <sighs> makes me fucking mad. It's horrible, that is. That's like, what did she, did she keep it? Well, she didn't know. Yeah, but did she keep it though after knowing? There was something like over a, like 100 items. Because if she kept it after knowing that, you know, obviously, you know, he'd done it all, it was all on record because he popped his clogs as well, didn't they? Yeah. But like, I mean, like, as soon as, like, the, the, they know that he's guilty. Did she give it to someone or to a charity? Yeah, to I know, I know, I know it sounds bad, he but... got returned back to her because she was saying... But did fine. she keep it, though? Yes. Oh, fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she was, as far as she's concerned, it's fucking hers. 
She doesn't know. She's like, no, no, no. He definitely bought it. And they're like, he killed 250 people. Yeah, you wouldn't believe You've it. You've got though. bags of gold rings in your house. And she's like, yeah, but he might, I can't believe he did this. And they were like, just fucking hand it, it over. He killed 250 people. So you don't think it's he's going to take a ring. fucking one in a minute. <laughs> it's funny enough, you know, that 250 people. How many rings you got? Oh, about 250. <laughs> <laughs> Case solved. Awful, mate. Yeah. So as, as well as these like massive hordes of hordes of jewelry, they found a typewriter which, after testing, proved to be the one used to forge the will, Ka- Kathleen Grundy's will. Mm-hmm. So there's no fucking escape for him now. Um, but this was only the start because the police, thinking he'd only he'd killed one person, Kathleen, for her four hundred thousand pound estate, mm-hmm. they had no idea what was about to happen or the or the, the true extent of this fucking madness. And, and the murder was talk of the town. And when the criminal investigation of Kathleen's death went public, the police kind of reported it in the press as a, as a murder fraud in investigation. Like, okay. Shipman's killed her uh, ju- to, and faked her will. And so he can get the money. He's you hear, hear that all the time, don't you? Where you get like, there was one not too long ago with um, a fellow who killed two people, didn't they? And he, I think he got the will from one person. And then he tried, and then the, apparently loads of money was left to him and he killed him again. Not again killed someone else again and they were like hang on this is dodgy and sorted it out but it wasn't linked to being a doctor or anything like that. it was just a fucking maniac so immediately what happened is after they said it was a murder fraud the police station started to get flooded with calls from concerned members of the public whose relatives died very very soon after seeing shipment and then the police were like okay let's take note and they started they started seeing patterns in the reports coming in almost all of them were single women living alone most of them died at home, dying within a few hours of seeing shipmen. Money and possessions had gone missing, and they were all found fully clothed, sitting upright in chairs. Police are like, what? All of them. Pretty up. much, mate. Pretty much. Because it was visits. Well, they were yeah. expecting him. And if he's popping them f- like an overdose of morphine, they can't get up and go, I'm going to have a cup of tea, and go, oh, shit, that's going to hurt. And then like, you know, it kicks in. You know, like if you smoke something or you do something, you go, oh, shit, down. I need to sit down a second. You just go, boom. Dead. As soon as it's in, you're dead, aren't you, really? So there shouldn't be this many similarities, you know, in the random deaths. And they were like, oh, shit, this mm. is massive. Mm. Something sinister's going on. And a much bigger picture started to emerge. Shipman wasn't aware. I mean, he must have known that they were going to look into it. But at the time, he didn't know. But death followed I him. I don't reckon he did, you know. I, rec- I reckon um, he was too arrogant and thought he was too superior for him to work it out. But they looked into his records and they found that six patients died on the same street within 18 months, all after he visited them. Mm-hmm. In a one-month period, eight women died in his presence, which is two a week, which is fucking nuts. And police started speaking to doctors like around the country to try and get comparisons and mm-hmm. patterns. And doctors are like, nah, bro, he's whacking people. Yeah. This isn't right. Just this isn't clearly normal. Clearly whacking people, yeah. So knowing something was up, they thought, okay... Right, he's in custody. Let's check his computer system at the surgery, yeah. which showed he'd been deleting and altering loads of his patients' medical records because Shipman thought that if something was deleted, it was gone forever. Or if it was altered, nobody would be able to tell that it was, was altered. Yeah, You silly fuck. You should have stuck to your typewriter mm. because they can fucking tell. Yeah. So he'd been writing up notes from appointments that hadn't taken place. He was kind of like, you know, writing a false medical history that didn't exist. So when he killed a specific person, their record would match their cause of death, stated on the death certificate, which he was fucking responsible for fucking writing. So it was, oh, it's all fucking... So he was like, come on, man. 
They're like, there's no... How are you going to blag this one? Well, they That's what I would have done. I would have sat down and gone, hang on, this is uh, the sound of my elbow sitting at the table. Yeah. How are you going to blag this one? <laughs> yeah. I would have just said it like that and just see what he'd done. He would probably gone... Heroin addicts. Yeah, she was a heroin addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a spelling mistake. But you done this. There was nothing to do with that. I got hacked. So police delved deeper and it became obvious that he was covering his tracks. They noticed that he was entering patients' deaths before he'd actually killed them. Okay. So, the, so the computers, like all computers, <laughs> have like an intern, <laughs> they have an internal clock which he's indicates... He's even doing it before they were dead. So yeah. it's like he was writing them up and going, they're dead. And yeah, they're yeah. like, they're, they haven't even turned up to your surgery yet. Yeah, and they're they're just going to fucking kill them. They're booked in at half eleven. <laughs> so, so like the computer system had an internal clock that so it indicates when a medical record was was recorded, like when when it was entered, and the dates on that didn't correspond to what he was actually writing. Okay. So, so it's like the computer's internal clock is saying a report was written at nine a.m. Fact: this is when it was entered. It um, doesn't know yeah. what's on it. Yeah. It just knows you entered a record at nine a.m. Yeah, yeah. No questioning. But then it was saved for like. Uh, but a, then a, like one p.m. or it, something. Yeah, you'd say like a, yeah death at three p.m. Yeah, yeah. Six hours. Into right. the future. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, Maybe he had a time machine. <laughs> they were like, this internal clock doesn't lie, man. <laughs> he did this hundreds of times, mm. which indicates a hell of a lot of murders. Yeah, yeah. So they decided to look back at the previous 12 months of computer records, and they found 36 instances of patients' medical records being fucked with, and all of these people had died. So every single case that he had, had stated... There was no post-mortem required because he could do that. Mm-hmm. So it was he, nice well, and he's clean. a doctor, wasn't he? Like you say, he could just go, it's not needed. I saw them. They weren't very well. It didn't look like they were going to last. Shocking, isn't it, mate? Yeah. And by the way, 36 deaths in 12 months is two and a half times the country's average for a GP. You know, they're not likely to see that many deaths, but he is. On so one man on his own. One man. To the, the whole of the UK by that much. Yeah. Well, you've got to remember it was like 5,600 times mm. higher than the murder rate, the average murder rate in the UK was going on in that town. Fuck. Just whacking everyone. So this computer tampering evidence was so incriminating, the police were able to use it to charge him with the murders of people who'd even been cremated because they didn't need a body to prove because the mm. patterns were so fucking religious yeah. and they were like, this geezer's here, this is what he's doing. Yeah, the computer's saying this time when it was that time, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, he's clearly done something dodgy there. Yeah. He tried to show in questioning, he tried to be kind of uh, steely, ice cold, not show any form of emotion when the police are questioning. But he didn't, for some reason, a clever man like him should have realised he was being filmed, but he didn't. There's one instance in the questioning. That shows you he's a thick fucker, as well as being clever, he's a thick fucker. Well, he, apparently he's being filmed and he turned his, like the, the coppers are talking to him and he turns his back to the police like swings his chair around and the camera's like in his face behind him and um, he closes his eyes and just breathes in, holds his breath for nine seconds and like the the body language experts are like, he is terrified. Right, okay. It's just sheer panic. He's panicked as fuck. He knows he's fucked, doesn't he? That's like, it's probably like the point of knowing that I I am fucked but I'm going to have to try and carry this on. If they keep looking, they're going to know. Which they did, and they actually got evidence showing that five of his patients died in his medical practice, mm-hmm. which is fucking crazy. Because police started, they spoke to doctors around the country, and they say, how often do people come in and, like, you know, walk in on a previously booked appointment and leave in a body bag? And the doctors are like, that's, that's fucking insane. That never happened. Something epic's got to happen. 
He's a record breaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got take for instance uh, one healthy seventy-two-year-old lady called Edith Turner who died in his surgery. The family questioned Shipman about this and said what actually happened. And he said Edith went into a, a rear examination room to lie down to to be checked out to get ready. He said I went in and and she was dead. I tried to resuscitate her. Uh, it's too late. She just died. Uh, told the family it was a heart attack, and he urged them not to have a post-mortem, and the family were happy with that, because obviously a post-mortem is immensely invasive, and who wants to do that to their loved ones? And when a trusted doctor tells you it's the heart, it's the fucking heart. He also recommended cremation. Nice and neat. Yep. There's... Can you can you just check this dust for uh, morphine? Nope. <laughs> it's fuck all there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Apparently, Edith Turner knew Shipman really, really well. Spent a lot of time in his surgery. So much that the family even joked that you bother him. So, like, you're down there all the time. One day, he's going to bump you off. Really? That's what they said. And he did. There was another tragic account came from a retired airline pilot called Jim King. And he was wrongly diagnosed with cancer and jacked up on morphine by Dr. Shipman. Do we know if he knew? Yeah, he yeah, knew. Right, yeah, okay. yeah. Around three months into treatment, the hospital was like, oh, fuck, we fucked up. Uh, he's not got cancer. Whoops. Best probably tell his, his doctor. Who is it? Let's have a look in the book. Dr. Shipman. So they told him, said, wow, man, he ain't got, he ain't got cancer. Right. Okay. Cease all treatment. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're just poisoning him, really. But he didn't tell Jim King because he wanted to continue to prescribe morphine because this would ensure that he'd have a massive supply in his surgery. Apparently, if you've got the more terminal ill patients you have on your books, the more morphine you can but have it in makes your sense. stores. But it makes sense, I suppose. You know, they're in agony. You know what I mean? And it's needed because they are... So I'm doing this with my fingers squinting down. <laughs> it's ill. You know what I mean? Um, it's it, You would, wouldn't you? You'd, you? They would go, right, okay, here's some pain relief then. Because that's what it is. Here's some pain relief for the cancer, you know, victims. Victims? Yeah. I suppose they are, aren't they? Victim of cancer, yeah. So, yeah, that's what you'd do, wouldn't you? So Jim was deteriorating, as you would, because, you know... He's off his face on morphine. up on morphine, and yeah. he's turning into a heroin addict. And it got so bad that his elderly dad was was really concerned and approached Dr. Shipman. He was like, listen, I want to see evidence of this cancer. I don't believe he's got it. I want to see his medical records. Mm -hmm. Calling him out, basically. And I think Shipman didn't like being questioned by a lesser person in his eyes. Mm -hmm. you know, he didn't want to... He didn't what did he say? Come into my surgery a second. I've got a needle for you. Yeah, he did. <gasps> on Christmas, really? On Christmas Eve. He killed him. Kill, killed, killed his old man? Killed Jim's dad on Christmas Eve with the morphine that he was using his son. He's he, he jacking his son up on. <laughs> how did, how, I would have gone... I would have, if he questioned... If, if I questioned... If I was him, sorry, and he went, come in here, you know... What, how, how did he get him? Did he... You know what I mean? Because surely, if you were questioning all that, and then suddenly you're going in and you, get, you might go, Who just give you a little knows, injection mate. to boost you we'll or something. Never know. Do you want a booster injection? I'd be like, fuck off, mate. Exactly. We'll I want to know, know more. I'm not here for that. I'm here about my son. You know what I mean? It's bad, isn't it? It's odd. So whilst the police were collecting evidence, Shipman was obviously being held in custody. And the only way they could get rock solid 100% proof was by exhuming potential murder victims and running tests to see if the cause of death stated by Shipman could be verified. Uh, and I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but I think there was something like 15 bodies dug up all in a year. Um, and they all showed massive, like, 
t- massive drug over like enormous amounts. Yeah. And uh, after exhuming the bodies and getting as much evidence as they could, Shipman's trial began at Preston Crown Court on the 5th of October, 1999. And he was charged with the murders of 15 women between 1995 and 1998. He denied everything. He said the scientific evidence was bullshit. His wife stood by his side saying, no, nah, he's a good man, he wouldn't do that. How do you explain the bags of rings? You fucking do you know what? Do you, yeah, exactly, yeah. Do you know, you, you might get away, as a doctor, I know it sounds bad saying this, one or two, there could be just some sort of, you know, I mean, it might look dodgy, but there might, you know, you might get away with it. But when there's hundreds of it, you'd be like, this this ain't right. If it's two over fucking 40 years, then, you know, I'm not saying, it, you know, you got a free pass to kill someone as a doctor every 40 years. But you know <laughs> what I mean? You might get away with it, but yeah. not fucking 250 odd people, whatever it was. Super you know what I mean? patient. You, you just need like, to be fucking, fucking cleverer. Yeah. You fuck thick fuck. So there's like, there's, there's hundreds of others, but I mean, what can the court do? It would take, it would take years to to, to go through. I mean, you think like, to dig up somebody's relative who died twenty years ago to get forensic evidence that might have deteriorated by now is traumatic. That's why the computer evidence and the um, the historical medical records are so van- valuable. Mm-hmm. If I could say that. Yes. That's that fucking Heineken. Heineken. Heine. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I should be an advertiser. I should be an advertiser for beer. Heineken. It's a can of Heineken. Heineken. Come on. If you, I tell you what, I'm, I'm copywriting an app now. Before it gets to Heineken and they start fucking do, using that for some shit. <laughs> so it all comes to a head on the 31st of January, year 2000. And after six days of uh, probably just eating sandwiches and pretending that we're looking at the evidence because it was so overwhelming they didn't need to spend six days, the jury found him guilty of 15 counts of murder and one count of forgery, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Like I say, it was only 15 counts because it was it's so fucking knotted to go back, but the evidence in his medical records, evidence on the computer systems... People coming forward and speaking historically, they were like, this motherfucker has been killing for decades. And as always, there is never really any punishment for these type of people. And uh, Dr. Harold Shipman was in control until the end. Because on the 13th of January 2004, on the eve of his 58th birthday, he was found hanging from the bars of his of his prison cell window. Um, I went for a strangle wank. Mm, nice. Used bed sheets apparently, and that was him. Bed sheets that must be quite hard. I mean, what are you going to do if you kill two hundred and fifty people? It was ch- apparently, it was ch- they reckon he wanted to leave the country shortly before with this four hundred grand will. That was his. <laughs> of course, he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been copped. I've got this money. That was his. That was his. Get out. Big big paycheck. See you later. So it was his final plan. Yeah. So, okay, so, okay, right. I see what you mean. Before he knew he was caught, he thought, I'm going to do this and fuck off. Mm-hmm. And it was just so much and so obvious. It was just like, Pushed it nah, too far. You, you're taking the piss, mate. Yeah. Just try to get 400 grand off someone and change their will. How did you think you were going to get away with that? 81-year-old rich woman who's in contact with her family who actually love her and she yeah. loves them. You know what I mean? And then suddenly the will gets changed a couple of days before she dies on a shit typewriter with ship spelling problems. Yep. With her daughter, who's a lawyer, who controls all of her financial things, because it makes sense, because she knows, she knows 
you know, what's right and wrong. With a taxi driver saying 24 <laughs> yeah, 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 customers yeah. died. Yeah, you, a, f- a fucking... He had about four or five mistakes on that one, which fucked him up. An basically. undertaker going to them saying, hmm, what's going on with all these dead women? Mm. Even the medical centre alerting the police and the coroner. You're never going to get away with that. It's unbelievable, isn't it? So there's so many different outlets of information going into into getting him done, but really only one really led to other stuff really properly. Well, it's like the underbelly of, of life, isn't it? The, mm. the death trade. It's kind of... You can operate in the shadows. I could imagine you can operate in the shadows. There's not that many people watching you. Well, you hear, don't you? You hear on a, a, kind of a different note, you know, like a black market organ donors. You know what I mean? Where like you hear it a lot in like China and stuff, I suppose. But black I mean, market, they just fucking but get I, you. Be, I bet you there's shitloads of that going on over here still. I mean, God knows. I wouldn't be surprised if there's people going missing for organs over here. You know, people are pissed up maybe walking along the canal and someone spots them and goes, oh, and you know what, we'll fucking, we'll have the heart, or we'll have the fucking lungs. It's interesting you say that because next week's podcast is going to be about missing people and the numbers, the sheer there's, volume of people that go missing in this country and around, just around the world. It's like, what the fuck? It's a market, I'm telling you. There's a market. People will be desperate and they'll go to people who, who aren't, you know, legal because they're desperate, because they're going to die. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 200 grand to give me two new lungs. Okay, it's cool. I've got two new lungs here. Here they are. You can see their lungs. Um, I'm just going to put you under with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we'll see what happens. I was reading, that I, th- I can't remember who it was, so it's probably completely out of school, but there was so, uh, one of the, I think it was like the emperor of China's son has had four kidney transplants. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck? How there was something about um a business person um funny enough in the in the trade of being a doctor or something um um no pharmacy about um transplants and if you're higher up on a ladder um you got treated more I can imagine that, and yeah. and there was I can't remember Money the full talks. story but Money talks. I can't remember the full story but people a lot of people died because he had about like six t- different transplants and he was just fucking wrecking it. Basically, he was doing like um, uh, uh, George Best, basically, and just fucking changing it. And he's going, bosh, bosh, bosh. And it, people who needed it, obviously, he did need it, but he also abused it. You it's know bad, what I mean? isn't it? You got one chance, that's what I say. Oh, yeah. If you're Even if you're an alcoholic or you're whatever, right? If someone goes, right, you need new kidneys because you're this and that, fine. Give them that one chance. If they start drinking, nah, you're fucked, mate. That's it. You're going you're gonna to die now. It's your own problem now. You can't abuse someone else's organs. No, it's not fair. No, it's, it's not, not fair on everyone else. You know what I mean? You've been given the opportunity to live. You know what I mean? From someone who's died, most likely. From your bad doing, as in like your drinking and stuff or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's gonna keep if you carry it. on doing that, you deserve to die, I'm afraid. It's not good, is it? Mm. Bad. <laughs> bad news, It's a good man. note to end on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Dr. Shipman. We have a social media <gasps> Facebook Winner. Can Extreme. I apo- can I apologise? The picture for this last one. Whoever's going to win this, I think we need to send them something else anyway. <laughs> because Why? because it was uh, genocide, right? And I, I I couldn't I couldn't work out how to draw genocide. Oh like, yeah, like millions of people in Ukraine being starved to death. Yeah, it was just like kind of like 
like quite hard to do. So it's kind of not as good. I'll add something to that. Yeah. I mean, look, look at that, right? Sorry. No, I know the, the listeners can't hear, but look at that. And then look at that. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> One's There's like a big a difference. Piece of paper, the other one's like a Picasso. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of last <laughs> week's one, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what. I just couldn't do it. I don't know. It's well, weird. Uh, that's going to go to Jesse Smith. Jesse Smith. You have won. So send us your details. You have won. I might, I might even write on it. Probably my shittiest artwork so far. Yeah, fill in the giant blank patch of white there with yeah, some yeah. writing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll send you something else as well because it was that was. It was genocide. It was like, but it was like no one's killing anyone. So it was kind of just, you know, well, they were, but what I mean is it was kind of like corn and like gone. <laughs> no no, no food. You should send a dead. blank piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. With so, a bite taken out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might do it actually. Shall I, shall I bite the corn off? Yeah, bite the corn off. I will. Bucket. Shall I do it now? Yeah, go on. <laughs> listen to me eating paper. I'm like hungry, Robbies. Mm. <laughs> Here we go. Piece of artwork. Uh, so that'll do then, I reckon. Yeah. So Sorry for my slurring of words. That's a uh, Heineken for you. Sorry, that's paper <laughs> bouncing around in my mouth. Yeah, but it's okay. It's all good. If you want to get at us, get at us. If you want to win some of Rob's amazing uh, pieces of art, you know what to do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man. See you next week. Have a good one, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>